0: a lot of people would come to us and go, you're so brave setting it up so young. Mm. And we actually thought a bit the opposite way around. We didn't have houses, we didn't have children, we didn't have people that depended on us. Hello,
1: welcome to another episode of Soup in the Loop. Do not adjust your sets. I am not Stew, and this beard is very uh, amateur in comparison. Today, though, we have anything but an amateur. We're joined by Ben Owen. Uh, He's the founder of Venture Travel and Online Travel Agents. And he has a lot of things to say in terms of how to start a business from scratch, the pitfalls, the good things and everything in between. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Yeah, I think where where we'll begin is in true podcast fashion, towards the beginning. Um, and I think the most important question at the start is, before we begin to say who you are, what was the first thing that made you want to make a business?
0: Yeah, I think I always had a passion for business, probably from as far back as I remember. Um, my dad owned a business when I was much, much younger. And from that, he did a lot of charity work. And with through that charity work, that he would have charity golf days and my job at the golf day was to be that kind of cute child that no one could say no to buying raffle tickets from. And and from there, you know, I kind of got the thrill of the sale and, um, and then from kind of, you know, television shows like The Apprentice and things like that, I really started to kind of, you know, think this is the career direction I, I want to go down. So that was kind of where it all started for me. Um, and then I would say it really kind of maybe accelerated a little bit when in school, you know, I was told at home to go get a part-time job And my idea was actually that if I could sell kind of cans of crisps and bags, um, (laughs) cans of Coke and bags of crisps, should I say? Bags of Coke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A very different podcast. (laughs) Bloody hell. Should we edit
1: that out? No, we're keeping (laughs) that in. (laughs) <laughs> um, I could confirm that Ben is my friend and he is not a drug dealer.
0: Um, yeah. So from that, um, that was kind of where, you know, I started to earn a little bit of money and again, kind of started to learn that the basic principles of, of business, mm. but as I'm sure we're we'll going into in a little bit more detail from kind of there to where we are now, it's obviously very different industries, very different business and uh, a lot more kind of ups and downs along the way.
1: Yeah, that, that's a very good answer. Well done. Um, I think now we've kind of got a little uh, intro into why you did the business. I think we're going to probably talk about the business. I kind of teased it before we venture travel, but uh, that's your most recent endeavor. Um, can you tell us a bit about what venture travel is and how it began?
0: Yeah. So venture travel is, um, an online travel agency. So think of your typical kind of high street travel agency, and then think of the perks of what you would get with booking online. Um, that's kind of where our gap in the market we see it is. So it's kind of that customer service, that friendly face that you will get in a shop, but also then prices and uh, kind of the ease of booking that you would get online. So that's kind of where we position ourselves in, in the market. Um, and we tend to kind of sell all a range of holidays, but to Partic- particularly focusing on uh, family holidays. So, um, you know, kind of your, your kind of bucket and spade holidays to kind of Spain, Greece and, and Turkey are uh, massive sellers for our, for ourselves.
1: What do you think the um, the main plus going for an online travel agent's over walking into a shop? What do you think the main sell is for venture travel?
0: I, I I think for us, one of the main um kind of benefits that we see is that whereas with the traditional travel agency um people tend to now start their search online before they go into a travel agency mm. so we're kind of um with our social media marketing and stuff like that we almost see that as our rent um that you know a shop front would have to pay rent the, you know the social media marketing for us is uh, is kind of that the equivalent um but we're kind of more at the end of a um you know a a phone um for the customer. And I think that really helps them is that they can be sitting there on the sofa on a Friday night at nine PM and obviously their local travel agency is shut. Whereas they can message us and again, if one of us is available, we can reply and have that conversation. Mm. And you know, the amount of bookings that we we confirm at 10 PM, nine PM at night, you know, I think that is kind of down to the ease of it is that a customer doesn't have to take time out of work to kind of be in their office hours. So that's kind of a a big perk that that we see versus obviously a conventional travel agency. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, I totally agree. I think there's a, a huge draw for that. I think having like almost like a friend booking a holiday, it's like a, a friendly recommendation because it is um, the two of you there. We'll go into the second person because obviously I know the, both of you. I knew uh, Hugh from primary school and I knew yourself from sixth form. But um, can you tell us a bit about uh, your your co-founder?
0: Yeah, So, um, I started the business with Hugh again, we met through school and, uh, and it's kind of, you know, really interesting that, you know, our accountant, we met in school. Obviously you've done some graphic design for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We met in school. Um, the guy that helps run our social media marketing, I met at university. So a lot of the people that I met kind of just throughout education have really become kind of key parts of, of the business. Um, but yeah, Hugh was uh, a child of friends. Like I say, we lived around the corner from each other. And uh, again, he had the same ideas as me. Me of wanting to set up a school tuck shop, and he's been involved in other kind of business um, ideas that we've had together, and uh, again, Kind of when his last um, kind of idea, um, which was a furniture business, didn't go to plan. Um, he went to work for his local travel agency. Mm. Um, through there, he progressed within three years to kind of being um, the the deputy manager at the store. In uh, the stores, um, the store was the top performing in the region. Right. So he progressed and kind of learned the kind of more holiday aspect of it. My experience was more. Um, I worked in travel, but it was more kind of the marketing side of travel, and it was more kind of like students going abroad for like eight weeks and longer periods of time so kind of when we both sat down and it was like what can we do we're both not really enjoying our jobs you know that the kind of easy place to start was almost travel so so that was kind of how the business idea came about and kind of Hugh's experiences as, as well. There were,
1: there were two things there that you mentioned that I kind of want to bring back to I think the first one is the fact that when you have an online travel agents. I think a lot of people think that business should be done one particular way and it's this way or no other way like if you want to do a travel agency it has to be in a shop on the high street and I think by breaking down what you actually can bring to the table and where that money can be best uh, best used you don't have to have the lights on in a shop and the heating and the rent from like you say I think that it's a really modern way of looking at a business problem and how can we get the best for the business because you don't need a, a building on the high street to sell a holiday it's a completely separate thing that seems to be like it's almost part of it so I was going to ask yourself and it's kind of to do with um, what you mentioned before I think is a, a strong part about bringing in friends that you know who have skill sets to make things happen for your own business because most of the time your friends are really happy to help you succeed What kind of advice would you give to someone else who is in a similar kind of position who wants to try and set up their own business in the same kind of vein as do you leverage on your friends and is that acceptable?
0: Yeah, so I think it's kind of combining your last two points really is that when you set up a business and when we set up, a lot of people would come to us and go, you're so brave setting it up so young. Mm. And we actually thought a bit the opposite way around. We didn't have houses. We didn't have children. We didn't have people that depended on us. So actually it was a really exciting time for us but because we were younger in our careers we had less savings and less kind of money where maybe we could have had a conversation about is it worth a shop or is it worth going down the social media route our minds had to be made up for us we could not afford a shop we had invested all our money in getting the license that you need to sell holidays which is uh, an atoll license yeah so i think that was one of the things that you know really pushed us in that direction And it was very similar with friends is that, you know, as you say, friends are really supportive um, and really happy to help. And also they kind of have, you almost have um, a trust in each other. Hmm. So if I was to say to you, Rick, can you make me a logo, which you did at the start, you know, I, I will kind of, you know, um, you know, make sure that you're paid for that, but I can't afford it right now. And obviously with that, we we obviously went on a trip to Portugal. Yeah. I, um, I, uh,
1: because of, because of Ben's, uh, like Ben was saying, I should point out, because it, f- it feels a bit weird if you're just saying, yeah, we we got your holiday. Yeah. Ben got me a holiday, which is very kind <laughs> of him. Um, and I, I totally agree. I think you find ways around it because yeah. you're all in the same kind of boat in terms of, it doesn't need to be a monetary thing. So if I do a logo, what can you do for me? And it's a kind of, leaning on that the friendship side of relationship and yeah. it doesn't need to be a a monetary kind of passing or a monetary trade-off I think you're absolutely right with that
0: yeah definitely I mean all the people we brought in early doors I'm happy to say we still work with them and use them you know if we need graphic design I'll go to yourself if we needed Facebook ads we go to the 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 um uh, my friend that we met at university um and again even uh, he was setting up kind of his own kind of social media marketing part of the business yeah. and um he needed some testimonials on his website so he said so if I run your campaigns for a few weeks to prove that it works would you give me a testimonial so as you say, it doesn't always have to be monetary. Mm. Now we're, we're a little bit more established. We prefer to obviously, you know, pay for people for their services and their time. Mm. But at the start, you know, it is finding ways around, you know, problems if the you don't have the funds. Exactly.
1: Sure. And I think the the limitations, like you're saying, can end up becoming USPs and really huge parts of the business. If you had a, a shop front now, it would almost be a completely different business. The customer service might not be as, tip-top as it is because you've got all the stresses to worry about it's about kind of trimming the fat and making the business as streamlined as possible to make it actually work and I think you're a good example of that for sure we spoke about before about advice you'd give to other kind of people in that position you mentioned about leaning on kind of resources is there anything else because I think that's just a there's there's so many things there that I'm sure the tips that you can give to other people, entrepreneurs who are in that uh, position, maybe towards the the very very beginnings of like they have an idea and that's it. What are the the best things they can do right at
0: the start? The advice, if you've got the idea, is to do the idea. And and I know that sounds really basic, but so many people have the idea. You know, everyone had the idea that you know, you could order a taxi from your phone, but they didn't make Uber. So for me, it's, you've got to do it. Honestly, it's kind of blind faith. You're never going to have all the answers at the start. And, you know, we didn't know... I'll be honest when I first set up a travel business, you know my knowledge of destinations and resorts was rubbish, but he was able to kind of you know help me throughout that process and again, on the other side of it, I was able to bring things into the business that he wasn't as experienced in so you know we kind of did a lot of things through trial and error and seen what worked for us yeah you know, it wasn't necessarily that our main source of marketing was going to be social media at the start. It was kind of a little bit hands behind our backs because we didn't have the funds, but we did try going to events. We did try, um, you know, kind of your, your flyer in uh, of places. We did try and email businesses and say, we're giving staff discounts. We tried, we, we tried Instagram DMs. We tried everything that we could to grow this business. Mm. And then obviously now it looks really clear cut that we kind of saw social media marketing. It all fell into place and worked. At the start, we did numerous different things and a lot of them failed. But I think that is the key part is that we could have sat around a desk and said, you know, why don't we try this? Oh no, it might not work for these reasons, but we tried it. And I think you've got to start is my number one advice is that you kind of build the business and go the direction once you have a little bit of feedback, seeing what's working, seeing what isn't. So I think that kind of, you know, my number one advice would be if you've got an idea and you're young and you've got kind of, you know, you know, an opportunity that you can give something six months and really kind of dial in on it, then that'd be my number one advice. Just go for it.
1: I think it's solid advice. I think you're totally right. I think too many people do think of the idea and never act on it. And most of the time, you've probably got friends in every single area that you need to make most ideas happen. And I don't think people lean on them enough. Um, You mentioned then about you had like a bunch of different failures as it went on. What were the biggest kind of pitfalls or stumbling blocks for yourself and how did you kind of manage to get past them? There's one in particular I want to talk about in more detail, which is obviously the big, uh, the big pandemic that we had. But apart from
0: that, is there anything else before we go into that, into more detail? So going right back to school. Even mm. when we we kind of how we came up with the original business idea was there was a series of failures along the way and we look back at those failures and I'll give you an example. Hugh had a furniture business and he used a really um, kind of not a very reputable delivery company to deliver the furniture products to the customer. Mm. Customers didn't get their products, and then they were unhappy. They left him negative reviews, and pretty much that put the end to that business. Um, You had to refund people and things like that. So when you're going into holidays, our first kind of thought there was, how do we work with the most reputable suppliers in the industry? Because we'd seen that failure happen in the past. We set up a personalized gift company. Again, there was no money, in. there was no margins. You know, people were spending one pound, two pound with you, and you were making kind of a 20p margin. So we needed something that had a little bit of a margin, where there was kind of profitability for it. Mm. So again, what do people spend higher amounts of money on? Well, we looked at cars, you could look at tra- uh, holidays. And again, these kind of failures started to form the, the ideas of the business of why we thought this could work. Mm. Going actually into the business itself, obviously, one of the big failures was, um, again, down to naivety and kind of learning was we had this customer call us up, sounded like the dream customer. A business client needed to book flights for um, one of the people that worked in the, in the business. Mm. Can he fly from Manchester to New York in four days' time? No problem. We booked it. He then comes back. He says, hi, that was great. Thank you. Can you now book Manchester um, to Dubai? No problem. Uh, on the third time of doing this kind of um, process with them thinking we've got a fantastic client here. He's booking Mm. for the third time in a a month. It was all actually completely fraudulent transactions. They were robbing credit and debit cards and paying over the phone with them. Now, again, having no idea, um, Barclays phone does and said, actually, you're liable for that. You took the payments. So we then, they said, so you have to pay back all this money. Well, it came to £10,000 and we were five months into running the business. And when I say we were down to kind of direct messaging people to, kind of you know that was our marketing spend there was no money um there there was minus money in the business mm. that was kind of the point where we were like wow they've literally just put us out of business and and then we had that moment as i think everyone does where you go wow this is it what yeah. what idiots um and then we thought no we've got to fight back this is not right why what? why didn't barclays give us any training and so we fought it with barclays and um, kind of to cut a long story short, you know, we won the case with Barclays, but there was a massive, massive learning curve of where's a customer coming from? How have they heard about us? Um, you know, can we trust their payment? Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you take a payment kind of over the phone, you're liable. But if you take a payment via bank transfer, the customer is liable. So, again, just learning those little things um, that can kind of, you know, make your business smarter and obviously, you know, um, make sure that, you know, you don't have a repeat of that.
1: Did you think it was it? Did you think that's that like wow? Oh, we're done. Uh, the venture travel is the, like the the sofa thing, the previous thing, and it's going on to something else. At that moment, were you like, well, We can't. We can't do anything."
0: We opened the letter and it was just like jaw dropping. Of like, "Oh my gosh!" And my first thought was actually to fight back, uh, yeah. but it was to fight with Parkleys. It was to fight with our atoll provider. Why didn't anyone tell us this? You know, give. You know, we should have been briefed on this. And then you come to the realization: No, this is just naivety. It's like. You know, oh, this is the oldest trick in the book. And uh, it's like, wow, we're just young people in travel that have just never experienced it.
1: Well, um
0: I, th- I think what you said though is
1: really important to the character of anyone who is successful in business, which is you open that letter, so many people who were five months in would open the letter and think, curtains, all right, we had a good run, like shut the book. Uh where do you think you, you got that from where you, the instinct is? not giving up. It's something like deep because I think there's something ingrained in people that decide to be their own bosses and make their own business.
0: Where do you think that's come from? And do you think it can be learned? It's an interesting one because if you look at the previous businesses, we stopped after our first failure. Mm-hmm. Um and this one we didn't. Now I don't know whether that was maybe because we'd actually put in a lot more money into this business. We'd, you know, already had careers before whereas Previously, we'd kind of only had part-time jobs. We were kind of, you know, in sixth form and um, university. So I don't know whether that was a factor Um, or maybe it just felt like we actually had the makings of a good business. We just made one or two naive errors, Mm. Um, but we did still start to get customers at that point. So I think you have to have a bit of proof of concept. We did have customers that booked and were very good customers. And I I think from there, we thought we can really make this work. We just need to overcome this obstacle. Mm. So I think that's where it came from. And I think it can be learned because I think if you believe in the concept and have that proof of concept um, and a bit of kind of background, if that had happened maybe three months, four months earlier, we might have been in a very different scenario. But I I think it it can be learned. Um, And as you say, I think maybe a lot of people that own businesses maybe, I think, develop that because... I don't think any anyone that has owned a business has had it all kind of straightforward and an easy ride to the top. Um, so I think, you know, it is developed over kind of, you know, it starts off with a little kind of, you know, the easy example for me to give is that we experienced Thomas Cook season trading and we thought, wow, this is a bad day. Like Mm. we had, um, a lot, a lot of customers, but with Thomas Cook, but then fast forward a year, you know, you have the pandemic where no one can travel for 12 months for, for 18, 24 months really. Um, you know, it kind of, you build the blocks almost, is that it starts with just one supplier that can't travel and then you go to everyone can't travel Mm. and it kind of helps you build the blocks of, okay, we know the process, we know how it works, it's not nice, but that is kind of, I think, how how people kind of, you know, gain that kind of resilience.
1: Yeah, no, I think so. Um, You mentioned it there, the, the pandemic. It's obviously, it was tremendously difficult for a lot of people in loads of different ways for a travel agent, in particularly a, an online travel agent, when travel gets banned, it's arguably the biggest hit. A, apart from like the Thomas Cook thing, it's, it's arguably the biggest thing that can happen to um, a travel agent where no one can travel at all. How did you get around that? And did you have a backup plan? Was there what went on? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get through it? I think is the, the biggest question.
0: Yeah, well, I remember really clearly that we kind of got through the Jan and February um, before the lockdowns happened and we'd had our best ever start to the year. Mm. And we went for a celebratory night out. We So we we're going to work every day in January, and February. And we went to Bongo's Bingo in Manchester. And as it approached midnight, the, the Bongo's Bingo announcer came on and said, we're all going into a lockdown. So enjoy your last night out pretty much. It was like social gatherings now are, are no longer allowed. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And we just then started from that point onwards getting call after call. What happens to my holiday money? What's the process? And to be honest with you at that point, you know, suppliers, um, ourselves, everyone was fairly underprepared for they'd never Mm. seen anything on this scale. We'd spoke to people that had been in the industry for up to, you know, 50 years and they'd experienced things, you know, big tragedies such as 9-11 and the ash cloud that stopped travel, but they were for shorter durations of time and for certain destinations. So I think everyone went in a little bit blind to it and obviously at that point it was people's health that was the priority Mm. but we were also thinking wow we've worked for kind of six months prior to the whole pandemic Mm. and we're not going to get paid any of that money and a lot of businesses um you know got paid up until the point where the lockdown came in but you know didn't have to pay back any prior money and that was where we were massively massively affected um but yeah it was again the same as kind of you go into fight or flight mode and the option was You know, we've got to try and fight this, make sure our customers get their money back. Mm. Um, And at the start, you know, my position was we need to make sure we're in business by the end of this. Mm. And the key part of that was that we had obviously how um, when a customer books a money, um, a holiday, sorry, their money is stored in a client account. So Mm. it's completely protected that we don't access it. The airlines don't access it until they actually have been away um so it really kind of safeguards the money mm-hmm. but obviously separate to that we have our kind of business current account that kind of you know runs the business so at that point i didn't have access to that ring ring fence money and because of the amount of refunds and the amount of um people's holidays that were cancelled That finance team was inundated and it created a massive backlog where people were waiting four to five months for for refunds back. Mm. And at the start of the pandemic, I was a bit like, okay, that's kind of going to be, people are going to have to be patient and wait and understand the predicament we're in. Mm. That soon changed for, for me, and I don't think it did change for many other businesses. I think it was a big factor of, actually, if we can go above and beyond for our customers here, mm. I think they will really, really appreciate it long-term, mm. and I think they will come back to us after you know the pandemic has passed. Sure. So what we did was we dipped into our own funds, our own savings, and then we started guaranteeing people a 28-day turnaround on their refunds, which mm. at that point was like music to people's ears because they were waiting five to six months in a lot of cases
1: exactly it's transparency and honesty and i think it's the mark of the business that actually know okay well we're gonna we're gonna sort this out for them and and i'm sure when the i think the worst part about the whole pandemic was obviously because no one could travel but it's like the only thing anyone wanted to do like people couldn't wait for holidays and you've No one can go anywhere and you don't know when that time frame is, when people can go anywhere, but you know that as soon as that's lifted, you're going to experience like an insane amount of um, inquiries. Did you find that because of how you acted during those times in the pandemic that the inquiries you did receive were the similar kind of people that you've been speaking to, the similar clients that you put your hands in your own pockets for?
0: Yeah, so I think there's two points on that. A lot of people kept saying to us, there's so much pent-up demand to go on holiday. And of course there is. But through that, through kind of the whole um, lockdown period, Facebook had a massive change in their advertising strategy and uh, they removed our main campaign with them. So we were actually at a point petrified thinking, how are we now going to make our marketing campaigns work? So although there was pent-up demand, can we capitalize on it? Mm. Now, it turned out, we were able to and you know kind of hindsight's a a wonderful thing but at the time that was a real worry was actually we know we can kind of come out of the the um, pandemic but Mm. after it we have to sort out our whole marketing strategy again that had built the business to where it was Um, in answer to your question about customers coming back to us yeah we saw kind of higher repeats than we had in any previous year and um yeah, you know, I remember one case. You know, travel is massively um, based on obviously the product. With a lot of different companies, is the same. Mm. So it does come down to price um, and competing on price. And I remember one customer saying, "You're actually a touch more expensive than um, than another quote I've had." But I'm not even going to ask you to discount or beat that price. He said, "You were so fantastic during the the kind of pandemic um, and getting my money back. Um, we'll book it with you straight away." And it was kind of, you know, it was a small amount of we could have discounted and done that price, but it was so nice to hear that, you know, people are coming back to us. They are trusting us. We are building that rapport. Mm. Um, And it it was really nice to hear Mm. that, you know, people appreciated the the lengths that we went to because um, probably, you know, something that we could have done a little bit better was actually telling people a little bit more kind of Mm. the lengths we went to for them. Mm. Um, You know, we we fought with Ryanair who weren't offering refunds in instances. We really did try and, you know, prioritise our customers uh, and make sure that, you know, they got everything that they were entitled to. And um, and I, I think in the whole, it was appreciated
1: um well i'm I'm sure that after this honestly they've they've done so well for you <laughs> they've done he's done so well he's done so well. I think you should share this just as like a little snippet of like they don't know how well we did but and then it's just you just saying thats what just said um yeah I think you've you've clearly shown how important a brand is and how important being just a decent person to your customers and your clients um is there, especially when you consider. Most of these people are going to go on holidays again. And I don't think you've done that for repeat customer. I think you've done that because you want to make the best business possible. Uh, it's nice to see. Um, the second part I was going to ask you, because initially you're like, well, the, the, the main dent of uh, the biggest thing that can happen to an online travel agents would be the pandemic. You mentioned the second kind of swoop, which was Facebook changing its algorithm. It seems small and minute from the outside, but when the whole business is based on kind of Facebook for anyone who's unfamiliar, that's the main kind of platform that you use to, um, share your, the deals and then people can uh, message you direct in terms of what uh, deals they'd like when they take away that the ability for those posts to be seen, that's massive. And what is your plan? If it changes again, do you have a, a plan on how to pivot?
0: Absolutely. So I think kind of the realization was that, you know, we'd always discuss what happened if Facebook changed their algorithm. And it's like, oh, well, it'll be a few years away. We'll be okay. You know, and that moment happened. We looked at each other and we went, We are idiots. We've discussed this to great length that the algorithm could change. Mm. Why now haven't we got a plan in place? So the first thing I really went back to was what we already have, which was an email database, Mm. and we just made more use of it. We did used to send the odd email, but, you know, making it a little bit more professional, um, you know, a little bit more tailored um, to the customer. It gave us, again, a different avenue to to kind of contact our previous customers, Mm. which was really important. And then the other thing was, you know, just having a little bit more focus on the likes of Instagram. Um, when TikTok first launched, you know, I kind of put us straight on there. I would, I checked a lot of the travel businesses that, you know, everyone will have heard of. And we were on there before them. Now, yeah. so I think there was kind of, you know, that came from that kind of, you know, the the Facebook algorithm changing that we need to be on these platforms. We need to try and capitalize when they're there. And obviously now we have a little bit more kind of funds and things like that. You know, we are looking at potentially going into kind of a, a shopfront basis just to have the two elements to the business mm. um, because there is still demand for that. And uh, and again, that's just a further diversification, you know, one step further away from just being a Facebook page. Mm. Um, and again, you know, this week, in fact, we, we've kind of had our website redeveloped so that, you know, to get the Google traffic, you know, increased and things like that. So we are always thinking of that. You know, the, the saying is that, it, you know, um, any kind of company shouldn't be over kind of, you know, 10% of your actual business and being completely honest right now, Facebook is a, you know, a much higher percentage of that for us. Mm. Um, and, and, a, you know, one of our conversations we're having for 2023 is to diversify our Facebook, but also diversify some of the suppliers we use just again, so that they don't have too much control over the business because, you know, we've seen how it can impact us in the past.
1: Sure. No, definitely. Um. You mentioned the the future there in terms of what's to come, new website. I've seen a bit of it. it looks yep. uh, it looks decent at the moment. Uh, the you mentioned a shopfront potentially being a, something that you'd go down the route of. Has that been brought about the potential um, the way that the uh, the kind of the pandemic has affected things, and the way that you've seen that Facebook can affect things? Is it based on what can we rely on that? And also, I feel like. The way that you've pivoted and you've noticed that, hang on, something's happening here. New social media platform, we can capitalize on that. I think a lot of businesses miss that speed bumps are actually launch pads if you look at them in the right direction. Um, So, yeah, um, did you, is the plan for the the shop based on a pivot or is it because it was always part of the plan?
0: I think it's a, a pivot. And I also think it's an opportunity that we've seen. We mm. now get a lot of customers. Um, in the past, we had customers all over the UK. That's the perk of, of social media marketing. Um, but we're getting more and more demand locally as recommendation, word of mouth spreads about the business. Mm. And a lot of people say, do you, have, do you have a shop front? And the answer is obviously we don't, but you know, we can book over the phone or via email. Um, so we've seen that demand and also, you know, it's, I feel like it's the next, um, stage of the business to have kind of that online presence and also that offline presence. Um, and you know, at the moment it's just myself and Hugh and the business is at a point where it can grow next year, but it will be kind of maybe getting towards a capacity that we can't actually, you know, manage this. So we would have to employ someone. And then we think, well, we could employ them to kind of do just the social media part of the business or they could be in a shop front um, that could also act as our office So still do the, the social media part of the business, but also just add another element to the business, another dimension. Mm. You know, some people aren't online. And again, it just opens us up to kind of a whole other uh, dimension. And also another thing that we found when I mentioned about diversifying out of different suppliers, um, Facebook seems to really suit us for the family market. But actually what uh, the type of people that will come into an actual kind of physical shop presence, they're more people that maybe want to book more complex itineraries. Um, it's a lot harder online to book something like a multi-center. So go into maybe New York and then Mexico or Dubai and then the Maldives. So, again, it just kind of adds a new dimension to the business in this different products that we sell, as well as obviously, um, you know, a, a new platform for, for people to, you know, um, book holidays with us.
1: Sounds exciting. Is that the main plan? Is there anything else, or is that, or is the rest a kind of secret for now? No,
0: there's no, there's no secrets. You can, you can ask away. But yeah, I think at the point now where we're at, um, you know, the, the next step is growing the team. We're, mm. we're becoming, you know, we're working a lot of the time. Um, in the business, and we want to spend a little bit more time working on the business, um, and I think that's kind of a key thing. Really, is that when we're doing inquiries and um, booking holidays, they're obviously great. That's what grows the the business. But we have to spend time to maybe step away from the business sometimes and think about the big picture where we want it to go, the long term direction, and uh, and I think you know, long long term, we would like a, a bookable website. And I know for kind of a lot of people, you know, a bookable website in their kind of industry is very simple to implement. In travel, it's a lot more complex um, and you can spend a lot of money and get it very wrong because every quote is unique. Um, even exactly Even if that. the same people want the same hotel, you know, they might want to fly from a different airport, a different duration, a different date. The children's ages might be different. All these factors implement them, affect the, the price of the holiday. Mm. So long, long term, that that's definitely a goal to have that bookable website and then, you know, your social media campaigns and things like that could direct people to, to the website. But kind of in the next year or so, it is kind of, you know, expanding the business with the shop front, we think, and uh, and obviously taking on uh, some full-time staff members.
1: Sounds good. It sounds like an exciting, uh, exciting time for venture travel for sure. Um I'm going to kind of wrap it up there, but there's one last question I'd like to ask. And I always kind of joke with you about how, um, how you love business so much that you do little things like there was an interview that you went in one time you brought in like a little basketball. Those little things like that are hugely important, I think, for to stand out in front of uh, a potential client, a potential employer. If there's one thing that you've noticed during your whole time through your career that's been the thing that's the standout way to grab attention or the standout thing you've done in terms of gaining results, standing out from the crowd what would you say is the main thing that you've that you can think of or springs to mind when I mention
0: that do you know what I would say it is actually addressing the elephant in the room is probably the best way to put it and I'll, I'm not an elephant <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give put a little bit more context to that but at the very start when we wanted to do a poster um, we were We were going to look at all these different posters telling people how amazing we were. Mm. And it's really hard in a poster to capture someone's attention and then give them that, you know, we can do low deposits and we have free child places and X, Y and Z. How can we put a little bit more kind of, you know, meat on the bone without it just being loads of words on a page that no one's going to look at? And we just went with a really simple idea of we're really good at holidays and we're really bad at posters. And we've done a campaign with Soup Ourselves mm. where we had a TV ad campaign yeah. going on Sky TV. And again, we thought, oh my gosh, like Jet2, Tui, they are spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of pounds on their advertising campaigns with, you know, um companies. Mm. Unfortunately, we're not in a position to do that. So again, we thought our advert is gonna look rubbish compared to theirs. So we went with the whole embrace campaign it. of let's embrace it, let's em- embrace the elephant in the room of mm. people saying hey, that's a really rubbish advert. So we made the worst TV advert we could and said we're really bad at TV adverts, but we're really good at holidays. And I think, you know, em- you know, embracing that kind of mm. uniqueness that makes you stand out, we had more messages about campaigns like that than telling people all the amazing things amazing we are. Is, yeah.
1: um,
0: it was short, it was snappy, it was to the point, it was simple, easy mm. to understand. But I think it also gave people a little chuckle, a little laugh. Sure, it
1: comes from a place of personality. It sums up you guys more than anything else really could have done. Exactly.
0: I can give you a thousand reasons why you should book with us over someone else. But actually, it's just that we're good at holidays. And we're bad at the form of advertising that we're showing you on. And I think just keeping it simple um, and letting people learn as they go through the process, because Mm. all we really need you to do is just inquire with us. Then from there, we can tell you that we actually offer a low deposit on this holiday or there's a free child place on this quote. Um, And then people can start to learn about us um, over time. And sometimes at the very start, you know, it's very easy just to give people all the information. But I I feel like that was kind of a, a key thing for us of just keeping it simple, but... You know, addressing that the elephant in the room, um, and you know, not being scared to to stand out and and be a little bit different.
1: I think that's a the great answer to end on, um, and I just want to say thank you very much for for coming in. Um, thank you. For you've having been me. a great guest, uh, great answers, and um, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Richard.